It's time for episode 503 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, where we're taking a 30-minute break from playing Tears of the Kingdom. My name is Dan Morin, and I'm joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy, because we play Dungeons & Dragons on the internet together. It is the one and only Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm doing well, Dan. I have to say I'm feeling a little left out. Um, This may be the closest I've ever come to just running to a nearby store and buying one of these nintendo doohickeys whose name escapes me at the moment (laughs) that's what it's called the nintendo doohickey Mm -hmm. so this is of course the show where we invite on two fantastic guests to talk with us about some tech topics to my left this week it is a writer for six colors that's true it's a thing look it up plus a podcaster (laughs) why why does that make you laugh (laughs) (laughs) you know why plus my co-host over on the rebound it's the one and only john maltz hello john Hi, Dan. If anybody knows how to get that like group of people up to where the ferry is, um, I think you're supposed to put them in a cart and then. But I can't figure out how to do the rest of that part. Uh, just, just you know, spoilers. Yeah, yeah, spoilers. Okay. spoilers. <laughs> uh, to my left is an engineer, a writer, a podcaster. It's Allison Podfeet Sheridan. Welcome back to the show, Allison. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to be on a show that has more than 500 episodes. That's amazing. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. Wow, that's a lot of episodes. All right, let me kick things off this week. Apple has announced a slew of new accessibility features coming to the iPhone, iPad, and Mac later this year. I'm curious if any in particular piqued your interest either for something that you yourself might use or somebody you know might use or just something you think has a lot of promise. John, let's start with you. So I kind of hope that as these features, these you know, kinds of features get baked into more and more things and are just around a lot longer, people will feel less uncomfortable with them or that they're unusual in some way and, you know, start to take better advantage of them. The thing that I personally want to try is the feature uh, that lets you create your own voice. Um, it's not something that I personally need, but I'm really interested to give it a shot and see how well it works because I think uh, I think that'll be really cool. And it's something that takes place on the device, and so it's not getting uploaded anywhere. Um, not that my voice isn't <laughs> my voice is currently being uploaded right now, so. Um, probably not much of a, <laughs> if I've got a privacy concern that, uh, that horse has already left the barn. So, uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm kind of keen to give it a shot. For me, it's, uh, the assistive access features. Um, the assistive access features have been created for folks with cognitive disabilities to kind of simplify the system so that if you've got, if you need to like lighten the cognitive load, you can. But what I think is so cool about this, um, on top of obviously its use in this specific way, I think about folks who are a little, you know, scared because they're unsure of how technology works precisely and what they're supposed to do, what they aren't supposed to do. The way that assistive access kind of distills things down, I think, could be very beneficial to many groups. So I think this is a a really cool idea that I imagine we'll see Apple kind of run with from here and continue to improve upon uh, such that it becomes kind of the next version of of guided access. Um, Assistive access is just... It's smart. It's smart the way they're doing it. Allison, what are your thoughts? We can kind of look at what would be fun for us and what would be cool. But 
when you know somebody who's gotten to use one of these tools and it changes their life, it really makes you a believer in this. I helped a, an elderly gentleman who um, he had actually just lost his vision and he was also uh, had lost his hearing earlier. And uh, I showed him how to use the hearing feature on the iPhone where you can set your iPhone someplace else and hear it in your hearing aids. And I found out a couple of weeks later, he was beside himself because he was able to order his own food in a restaurant because he was able to put the phone near the waitress. He could hear her and understand what she was saying. It was the first time it had happened in a decade. And I mean, that's life changing stuff. So I get I get chills when I think about how cool this stuff is. For me personally, I'm going to also go with uh, the uh, voice creation, but I actually do need this. I lose my voice at least once a year. And this year I lost it for so long that I ended up going to 11labs.io and having it create my voice. And I had it read my podcast for me one week because I haven't missed an episode in 18 years. And I was not going to miss an episode because I couldn't speak. So that's going to be huge for me. The, the voice one came to mind for me, too, uh, for reasons very similar to Allison. Actually, I was just traveling this past week, and my wife uh, lost her voice and was definitely using, like, typing stuff in notes and then using, like, the speak button. But it would have been much nicer to have a version of her own voice as opposed to one of the, you know, Apple's built-in voices, for sure. Um, and that whole experience definitely feels like something could be streamlined. So when I see stuff like the live speech um, where they can now have things where you like type phrases and stuff and or uh, save phrases for like they're frequently used or type to people who are on a FaceTime or a phone call. Like that's really huge. I think I mean, it, there's a lot of instances where there are certainly people who need that for long term, but even for those in the short term. And I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot of times, right? Like people, I think, brush off a lot of these accessibility features because they think, oh, that's not a problem I have. You know, I don't need to to investigate these things. But it turns out that, yeah, at all of our times in our lives, at some point or another, even if it's only shorter term, you may need to take advantage of these features. So it's great to know they're there. And more of the point, it's great for Apple to try and not only continue to develop these features, but I think give them as much prominence as they do, because it really reminds all of us that there are uh, technology is and can be helpful in ways that we don't really necessarily think about for day to day, or many of us are, are lucky enough not to be able to think about day to day. But thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's move to our second topic, which comes from John. Yeah, and it's a little bit related to that because uh, the, the like the idea of those buttons that make things easier, uh, because we used to have buttons on our phones and in our car cabins, and uh, then we got cut touch screens. And now Humane uh, is a startup that was founded by former Apple executives, uh, and it promises to sort of remove all the screens from your life, letting you use gestures to do things instead of um, you know actually touching a screen. And um, I was wondering where you all draw the line on the value of having more precise physical controls or more the open configurability of virtual ones, because there's, you know, there is a benefit to being you know, more virtual because you can change things, you know, developers can change things easier, um, but you also seem to lose a sense of precision. So, uh, Micah? I personally prefer the precision. Um, I find myself almost always going back to my Mac when it comes to doing precise tasks like uh, anything in Photoshop or if I am editing some sort of like audio or video where I need to move my mouse around on screen and click right in the exact spot that I need to click on uh, versus what I feel is less precise, which is just tapping my finger in places and hoping that I'm getting right where I need to. So yeah, I, I like the idea of the configurability as long as it isn't me trying to use this tool, I, I got to see some of these videos. As long as I'm not using this tool from Humane to 
edit um, a, a podcast, <laughs> then I think it, it's it's a pretty cool idea for the rest of the stuff that it does. Allison, what are your thoughts? Well, I've got a uh, Tessa and it's got a giant screen and very, 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 very few buttons on it. And um, I was I'm a big fan. I like the touchscreen and I like the simplicity. I think that's really, really nice. Uh, and, and I look at cars with a lot of buttons and it kind of makes my eyes bleed now because it's the lack of simplicity. However, I have to look down and away from the thing I'm driving towards at 70 miles an hour <laughs> to change the temperature in my car because I have to look at the touchscreen. I've owned the car for four years and I still have to look every single time. And uh, I've been, you know, bemoaning that and I'm becoming more a fan of maybe a couple of more buttons. But I got into a discussion with my friend Stephen Getz about how, well, if they just had the temperature controls, then that would be that would fix it. I'd be fine if they just had real buttons for that. And he said, Allison, I bought my car six years ago and I've never changed the temperature. I was like, wow, well, you're way what? different than me. Maybe he's just a mutant. But then I was, t- I was talking about the uh, ability to change the brightness of the, dis- of the uh, instrument panel, like when you're on a dark road. And I said, it's buried 17 menus deep, but that doesn't matter because whoever needs to change that. And he says, Allison, I change that all the time. <laughs> and now I still think he's a mutant, but it brought it up. That's why there's 168 buttons on regular cars, right? Yeah. It's because everybody's got that one button everybody's that they different. need. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you start going towards this gesture thing, I think you're getting, you're absolutely getting worse because who can remember that many gestures? Uh, I mean, I know a couple of them on my trackpad, but there's a whole lot of them that I, to this day, I would like, do I do my five finger spread out or do I do it four fingers up? I get, I get, get it wrong every time. So you start doing a gesture thing and all of a sudden you're trying to change the temperature and you're running the windshield wipers. No, <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a nice dividing line. I mean, I kind of agree with Allison's point. Like, I love a touchscreen. I, I put in a new head unit in my car a few years ago so I could get CarPlay, and I love CarPlay. You could not pry it from my, my cold hands. Um, but... I like that CarPlay is really reserved for things like navigation and entertainment because those are things where I don't mind like, you know, mostly glancing over um, to see maps or whatever. But climate control stuff, man, don't put that on my don't put that on a touchscreen. That's just it's just terrible. <laughs> I really don't want to mess with that because I, I do adjust it often enough that whether it's the fan speed or the AC or the, I mean, I live in an ex- climate that changes a lot throughout the year. You know, I need the heat. I need the AC. I need a defroster. All of those things. So when it comes to something like Humane, I'm curious to see how that plays out. But I think there's a balance in terms of stuff that you want to be able to deal with without a, a screen and stuff where it's like, I need a keyboard and a mouse. I think Apple struggled with this as well with the iPad and like a touchscreen makes a lot of sense. But sometimes you need a keyboard and a trackpad to slap on there because you're doing things that just don't work on a touchscreen environment as well. So I think there's not one interface to rule them all, though the versatility of the touchscreen is great. I think it's it's different different interfaces for different jobs. John, wrap us up. Okay. Yeah, I, I basically agree with everybody. It seems like we all sort of came down in the same area. And I was glad that Allison said what she said about trackpad gestures, because um, particularly when I'm editing, I, cause I always feel like I should be taking better use of them and I should be able to figure out exactly how they work. But I'm kind of bad at them. And particularly in editing a podcast and I'm two fingers scrolling, I constantly slide out the notifications. And then I'm like, I guess I didn't get where I wanted to. And now I got to like get rid of notifications and it just becomes kind of a pain. And then, uh, uh, Mike was right about the, you know, sort of minority report aspect of editing a podcast. I don't want to be waving my arms around while, <laughs> while doing it because that seems exhausting. 
And in the car, like Dan was getting to, the, the touch interface is, I feel like the touch interface is fine for entertainment stuff for the most part. The volume might become an issue, but um, for the actual operations of the car, I really much prefer physical buttons and levers and crank devices anything that's <laughs> steampunk basically you're still rolling down your um, windows huh john yeah. <laughs> i know i mean i think there's definitely a use for those kinds of things um i just wouldn't want to uh, be relying on them for something critical all right that's two topics down two topics left to go which of course means halftime here at clockwise and this week's episode is brought to you by trace route the latest episode of the Trace Route podcast answers the question, what is the flip side of our obsession with storing information? And the answer starts where you'd least expect it, in a tiny town in Ohio. If you haven't started listening to the new season of the Trace Route podcast yet, you got to give it a go. It's a tech podcast unlike any of you've heard. This season features new co-hosts and new stories about the inner workings of our digital world. Each episode peels back layers of the stack to find the stories about hardware's very real effect on human lives. And the latest episode on data recovery discusses the creation of technology to retrieve information when things go wrong. I actually listened to one of the previous episodes this season called When the Lights Go Out, which is really interesting because it's about building hardware to last and what you do when the hardware infrastructure around you collapses, like how when the you know cell phone network goes down or you can't even get something as easy as the time for some reason, like what does it take to make technology that's actually going to survive uh, both disasters and for the long term? They also talk a little bit about like the rebuilding the infrastructure in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria and like all the challenges that were involved with that. So it's really interesting and the kind of thing that I think a lot of us really don't consider when it comes to this. So listen and subscribe to the new season of the Trace Route Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the Trace Route Podcast now. Our thanks to Trace Route for their support of this show and Relay FM. And halftime is over. Micah, take it away. There's a new company called Telly, and Telly is also the name of the device that they sell, a television that you can get for free. It is a 55-inch television screen with, below it, another screen that's about a third of the size of the main screen. So you've got this horizontal display that can display a bunch of information, the weather, stocks, whatever you want to have on there, but that screen is also constantly showing you ads. You can get this 55-inch television for free, put in your home for free, but in return, you will constantly see ads on that bottom screen. No matter what you're watching, if you're watching a movie, whatever, that bottom screen will still be showing you ads. And it also is doing a whole heck of a lot of tracking. So with that in mind, I just want to hear your thoughts about this product. Allison, we'll start with you. Well, I think it's wonderful. I really, really do, because this is the first honest TV we've had in a long time. All of the other ones are doing this too, right? They're they're tracking you all over the place. I mean, I listened to you talking about uh, when you, uh, you ran some tracking software to see how much was your TV actually talking to the internet. And it was, it was horrifying. I forget what the numbers were, but it was way beyond what I ever thought. Yeah. So this, this is perfectly honest, right? It's just looking you right in the eye going, I'm going to track you and I'm going to throw ads at you. Want this for free? That's an honest transaction, I think. Now, personally, I don't let my TVs on the internet at all. The first thing I do is pop in an Apple TV, plug it in, and I never, I never, ever let it connect to my network. I don't even tell it the uh, the password. So um, I'm not the market for this, but I know a lot of people who think it's just fine to have their TVs tracking them and throwing them ads. So, hey, they could get an even better deal. 
Is it a good TV? No, I'm just kidding. No, a hard pass. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I think Allison's got a great point. Everything is tracking you. I've got an old TV that is not on the internet, and I'm perfectly happy with it and scared of the day that it breaks. Um, but I think this is such a fascinating thing because TVs have become so commoditized. They've become very affordable. And free seems like the next way you go. Like free ad-supported television, uh, seem, like physical television, seems like the logical evolution of that as TV prices have really come down in the last several years. So I can see why this might be attractive to some people. But some of the details on it really bugged me. Like there's a point where I read in the article about it that like when your TV is idle an ad could like take over both screens. And I was like, Oh boy. Um, so for me, I don't really see myself being a target marker for this, but I do think there are people, you know what? There are people who are okay with it. There are plenty of people that no matter how many times you tell them how all these apps track them, they'll just be like, eh, whatever. And it's like, that's their choice. Fine. And for those people getting a TV for free for the exchange of watching ads might be perfectly reasonable in the same way that many of us might sign up for an ad supported tier of a, you know, free tier of a service. So I think everybody's got to kind of make that determination for themselves. And it's an option and you don't have to take it. And if you don't want it, then you're fine. But uh, I guess it's out there for the people who do want it. (laughs) John, I have a sneaking suspicion. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, can I just say absolutely not? And you know, I mean, is that a a valid answer on this on this podcast? But uh, because when I saw this question, I was hoping kind of hoping that Micah was making this thing up. But at the same time, (laughs) I also knew that he was, you know, he was definitely not making this up. Yeah, does this exist? Of course, this thing exists. So I will not be getting one of these. Yes, Dan is Dan is correct. Um, As far as them existing, I guess, you know, sure there are probably some people maybe you know i i feel you know bad that people who can't afford a nice tv and would be tempted by something like this but it is their choice so uh you can't get too upset about it but uh at some point you kind of wonder if there are really enough ads out there for all of these Mm -hmm. uh, ad displaying Mm -hmm. Systems, uh, because as Dan was talking about, like you know, seeing an ad for something. Like, I, I regularly used to watch one of our stupid superhero shows on the CW app, and sometimes it would show me for ads for the show that I was already watching. <laughs> it's like Absolutely you're clearly gorgeous. running out of advertisers, <laughs> and yet we keep finding more ways to display ads. So I don't want to say good luck to them, um, but uh, I'm also not going to you know, get a whole bunch of people together with pitchforks and and. Uh, torches to go after them <laughs> yeah um allison i i really like what you said at the, at the start of it because i do uh you have to appreciate it's a little bit game recognized game moment where thank goodness they're being honest about it and you in the, the interviews that the the person who launched this company has had thus far that's always one of the first things they talk about they're like yeah this is doing exactly what we say it's doing. We're being very forthright about it. This is the exchange that you have, uh, unlike those other TVs that are subsidized through the use of content recognition information being sent to third parties. We'll have to see how this goes, though, because this is, you know, they've they've just now started to uh, break it out from the original uh, beta testers of the device. So we'll see if this company ends up going under or if they can keep up with uh, all sorts of new ads. I just imagine lots of Taco Bell advertisements displaying on that little screen uh, while you're watching some nature documentary. Uh, Some people will get that. All right, let's move along to our next topic, which comes from Allison. 
on social media, and I'm thinking really like the Twitter Mastodon kind of social media, but you can apply this to Facebook and, and uh, other apps like that if you want. Um, I'm curious whether you're a consumer, like a lurker, like you just like to follow famous people, or whether you're a contributor. And if you are, how important is the engagement with others, like people reacting to what you write on services like uh, Twitter or Mastodon? In the past, I've been, I spent a lot more time contributing things. I think that's died off a little bit over the last couple of years, in particular on Twitter, where I basically don't post at all, and I rarely read or log into the site. On Mastodon, I spent a little more time engaging with things, a little more time posting, but I'm not as much like I don't... When it starts to feel like a job, I get tired <laughs> and I just walk away. Um, and I like to keep up with my friends and like to keep up with people in the communities, and I'm in and see various things that are happening, but I have tired of the engagement game um, because it is is addictive and it is feels demoralizing a lot of time. Oh, why didn't that brilliant poster right get more likes? Um, and so, you know, I tend to share things when I want to share things and try not to worry too much about how many people are seeing it or how many people are reacting to it. I posted something on Blue Sky the other day that I thought was like a clever, you know, joke or something. And like one person replied to it and there were no likes and anything. And I was like, yeah, that's just that's just demoralizing. Um, so, you know, I I try not to let myself get bugged by it. Um, but, you know, I do think there's a give and take on a lot of social media, especially when you're somebody who has a platform and has a, you know, other stuff, media stuff. I do podcasts. I write books. I write for tech journals. Like, I mean, all of that, it means it's a place to promote my work and it's a place to engage with people about my work. And so I have some degree of contribution, but... Um, I feel like I probably lurk a lot more now than I used to just because, like I said, I'm just tired. <laughs> John? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the parent in you talking. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, but I agree, actually. I mean, I think the whole de devolution of Twitter has contributed to that. It sort of made it a little bit more obvious, like, what is the point of <laughs> all of this stuff? And, uh, but I still, I, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really off Twitter completely. Um, but on Mastodon, I would say that I am a bit of both not contributing as much as I used to. And some level of engagement is definitely important to me. Uh, I, I think that's the whole kind of the whole point of the medium for me you know i like to get likes i like boosts on mastodon i'm i'm as vain as the next person unless the next person is the owner of twitter but um i don't need or really have time for a huge amount of discussion and a lot of people talked about the reply guy mentality that exists, particularly on Mastodon. I think it seems a little bit, it seems worse there for some reason. I think mostly because it's, maybe it's because it's more tech people. I don't know exactly why that is, but it just does seem to be a little bit worse there than on Twitter where people would more like, you know, fave something and not really say anything back to you. I think it's treated a little, it seems a little bit more like a Slack you know, mentality where people think, oh, that was interesting. Uh, maybe you'd like to have a conversation about that. And in general, no, I don't really want to have a conversation about it, particularly in the in the way that a lot of the people want to have a conversation about it. So it it really depends, but I find that it becomes a big time suck when you you say something that for me I'm mostly posting little jokes and stuff like that, and so it's not stuff that I you know if I posted the, I posted a thing about like I'm looking for a new keyboard, so I was definitely looking for feedback there because I wanted to know people's opinions, I wanted to get ideas about keyboards that I hadn't really considered, and it worked pretty well. I got a keyboard that I really like, and it was from a company that I hadn't really heard of before, so that is great. Um, but when I make a little joke, I don't necessarily need a bunch of people trying to drill down on that. 
I, it depends on the social media uh, network. I am a lurker, a consumer on TikTok uh, occasionally. In other places, I'm a little bit more of a contributor, but like Dan, that has gone down so, 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 so much. I have a presence on many of the social media networks and services that are out there. But I don't find myself posting much these days. And what's funny is, just like Dan, the other day I posted something that I thought was funny, and then maybe two people said something in return or, or reacted to it in some way, and I thought, um, so I'm. It's only reaffirming my sort of uh, not being there as much uh, aspect. So yeah, I think my consumption and con- contribution have both gone down so much. And I don't really see them climbing uh, anytime soon. I just am not getting what I once got out of Twitter um, on any of the platforms, including Twitter. Uh, Allison, why don't you round us out? I'm, I'm kind of a combination in between all of you. Like all of you said, um, my Twitter engagement has just gone way down. I'm not interested. I don't go there voluntarily very much at all anymore. But I'm seeing a lot of engagement on Mastodon. And I realized as I was I was doing some actual metrics to see how the engagement was different. And I realized that I need to contribute. I am reply guy, John. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, you write a joke. I'm going to tell you, I thought it was funny. There's going to be a, there's going to okay. be a conversation. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. But I, I realized I have to engage. I have to engage with developers when I'm using their tools. I have to engage. I, I just, I need to contribute. I can't help myself. So the, the, the metric I collected with, I have um, around 4,000 followers on Twitter, which, you know, it's not Taylor Swift numbers, but it's a pretty big number and only 700 on Mastodon. But I posted a link to an article I wrote on uh, podfeed.com and on Twitter, I got two reposts and two likes. They were from the same people. And one of them was the developer of the product I was reviewing. So two, total of two with 4,000 followers on Mastodon with 700 followers. I got 17 reposts, 23 likes and seven comments. Hmm. And so I, it was it was energizing. People are reading what I'm writing. They're responding. They're telling me that they thought what I did was cool or asking more questions about it. They're reposting it to their followers. Just the whole attitude over on Mastodon energizes me, gets me excited. And I feel just sort of obligatory when I go over to Twitter. So this is kind of what got me thinking about and asking that question. So, uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a contributor. Can't help myself. That's why I'm here today. <laughs> and we thank you for it. Well, that is four topics. Now we have just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get there, I want to say that today's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our d- lovely Clockwise shirts. You can go to clockwise.social slash shirt and get a fantastic new Clockwise tee with a lovely stopwatch motif on it. It's very slick. It's available in a bunch of different colors from our fo- our friends over at Cotton Bureau. So go check it out. That's clockwise.social slash shirt so you can rep the show. All right, bonus question time. My bonus question is, have you ever played hooky from work, school, etc., taking the day off without actual reason to do so? John? Certainly my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. I definitely skipped school a few a few times it was not i mean i was never in big trouble because i i did it so infrequently that it was fine but yeah sure 
As far as jobs, I can remember one time because there was only one time that it did happen. I was in college and I had gone to a concert the night before. And at the time I was also drinking, of course, and I was incredibly hungover the next morning. And so I I had to take a sick day, but that was like the only time that I did it, not because I was sick with some contagious thing, but because I had a terrible hangover from a concert I went to the night before that I shouldn't have gone to because I had to work early the next morning. So yeah, that was kind of hooky. Uh, Allison, what about you? I played hooky once in my entire life. It was in 1980 and I was working for Hughes Aircraft Company. A guy named Dave Grant, who was one of my coworkers, walked out into the main area where all of us sat and said, oh my gosh, they're selling the Spruce Goose and today is my last day to show it to you. And I had no idea why oh this guy God. was able to show us the Spruce Goose. This was before it ever went into the dome down in Long Beach. And he took us down there and we got to climb all the way through the Spruce Goose. I sat in Howard Hughes's seat. I mean, it was incredible. We climbed out into the wings and up into the tail. And I found out that day he was the co-pilot on the flight. And I, I told him, I said, I didn't know you knew how to fly. And he said, I didn't. That's why Howard let me be the co-pilot so he could take over and fly the plane that day. <laughs> Wow. These are all so much better answers than anything I possibly have. I always knew that if I was the person who took off of work under or, or school under pretense, I would invariably be the day that I ran into somebody from work or school. Like I would get caught. That is just my lot in life. So most of the time I just was like, yeah, I guess I shouldn't and showed up. I'm, I'm much more boring. But thank you all for your more exciting stories. Hey, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise. You can sign up for just $5 per month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we talk about 3D printers. And with that, we have reached the end of this week's episode. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guests. John Maltz, thank you so much for being here. Dan, it's a pleasure talking to you three times a week. <laughs> and Allison Sheridan, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your last minute arrival. You saved us. There we go. Hey, I got to get going, though. I got to go buy my new Clockwise T-shirt. <laughs> These are fantastic. I can't Yay! wait to get one. Thank you. All right, we'll be back next week, Micah. But until then, we remind everybody out there listening, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.